You're listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org. Now let's listen in. So turn in your Bibles to Acts uh, chapter 2. Actually, I'll have it up on the screen for you in the Passion Translation. We're going to look at says this, every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. And they were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those that were coming to life. And we've talked, we've looked at that passage and looked at all the different things that, that this first church uh, was doing, how they came together and they ate together and they fellowshiped and they were in the Word and they enjoyed the teaching and um, and they ate together. Did I mention that? Yeah. They, they ate together. <laughs> and uh, um, But one of the things that kind of hit me as I was kind of, again, looking through this, and I just wanted to talk some about the night, is at, the end, at verse 47, it makes this statement. It says, they were continually filled with praises to God. And I want, us to look, I want us to really think about what does this word continually mean? They were continually filled with praises. In other words, it wasn't, it wasn't just a one-time event. It wasn't something they waited to get with each other to do. It wasn't something they, um, it doesn't say they, they had praise meetings when something good happened. It doesn't say they only praised Jesus when there were good things happening. But basically, it teaches us or says to us they were continually doing this, continually. Hebrews says this, Hebrews 13, 15 says, Let us offer through Jesus a continual, notice the word again, continual, a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to Him. Hebrews is saying to us, the writer of Hebrews is saying, this is something we should continually do as followers of Jesus, continually. But he, this writer, Hebrews, nobody really knows who it is. Some people think it was Paul. Others aren't, aren't sure. But basically the Holy Spirit penned it or wrote it through a human person that wrote it down. But they continually offered what to God? Praise. Not just praise, but what kind of praise? Sacrifices, Sacrifices of praise. I want you to pay attention to this idea of, of sacrifice. Why, why was this praise, why was it called a sacrifice? When you, when you think of sacrifice, what do, you, what do you think of? Talk to him here. A, a sacrifice is what? You, you what? Yeah, you may not, you, it's probably not something you particularly want to do. Now, sometimes you praise Jesus when? When you feel, you feel happy. I mean, if everything just goes wonderful, you had an awesome 
whatever day, maybe you heard some good news, maybe you got a promotion at work, maybe you just won the $100 billion lottery, you, whatever. You just, you, know, you just heard you got a great report back from the doctor. It's, it's, everybody understands that it's easy, easy to praise God in the middle of everything going great. Would you agree? It doesn't, it's not, it doesn't require a lot of sacrifice on my part to praise Jesus when, 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 when he answers all my prayers, when everything goes just like I think it ought to go. Do you all agree with that? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, the, the question is, is when this writer again says, continually, continually means what? Well, on and on, regularly, consistently, con- continually, without stopping, offer a sacrifice of praise. That, that seems to indicate to me that sometimes this praise may require a sacrifice on your part in the sense of you may have to do it when you, when you just maybe don't feel like doing it. Maybe it's, you know, maybe you got bad news. Maybe something bad happened. Maybe, you know, something happened with your family, something happened with your kids, something happened with your job, something happened financially. The pre- any of you ever felt any pressures in this life? <laughs> Is everybody, all things went wonderful for you, right? I, I know all y'all are doing awesome and never have any issues, but think of this. The, why, why is it called a sacrifice? Because a sacrifice costs you something. A sacrifice of praise is, is this, this is probably something, you know, I'm, maybe deep inside I really just don't feel like thanking you, Jesus, for this and rejoicing in the midst of this storm or, or praising you, uh, all hell's coming breaking in on me or my family, and I just don't really feel all excited. You understand there's sometimes we're supposed to praise when you maybe just don't feel excited about it. <laughs> that's called a sacrifice of praise. That's, that's, that's when you do it when you just don't, it, 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 you just don't want to. Um, yesterday, Three years to the date, yesterday, my mom passed away. This coming Saturday, three years to the date, my wife passed away. And I don't, I don't have the answers for that. I don't understand that. I don't, it's like, God, where are you at in the middle of all this? You know, we all, how many of us prayed? I mean, how many literally I mean, without exaggeration, thousands of people around the world were praying. And so you can go, why? You know, I mean, people, I still have my, a friend of mine, actually a family member of mine, just talking to me the other day, still having this question of why. You know, why? Why did that happen? Why? Why, of all people, that's, that's always seems to be the question, of all people, why her? You know, why not somebody that's bad? You know, why not somebody that's a murderer? Why not somebody that's a criminal or a crook or, you know, beats their kids? Or, you know, why, why does it, and I think I remember even David maybe in the Psalms kind of questioning that. It's like, why do the heathen seem to prosper? Yeah. <laughs> I remember John Wimber, and some people always get offended at this, but he made the statement one time. He was, he was talking something similar to this. He said, 
He said he was having this conversation with, with God. He said, God, he said, he said, it's a wonder you have as many friends as you do the way you treat them. <laughs> he was a little aggravated with God at the time. And I think we can all say we've experienced some of that. It's like, God, I, I mean, I, I can, you know, when I came into this thing 40-something years ago, back in 1975, it, I, the way I perceived what was told me, and maybe it wasn't said this way, but the way I perceived it was, if you give your life to Jesus, everything's going to work out great from now on. You're going to have a great home. You're going to have a great marriage. You're going to have great kids. You're going to never have to have any financial problems. You're never going to get sick. It's just going to be, everything's going to be wonderful from now on because God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Step number one of the four spiritual laws. See, the, the thing is, is that God does love you and has a wonderful plan for your life. The, the problem is, his idea of a wonderful plan for your life and your idea of a wonderful plan for your life is probably going to be different. Have you all noticed that? I mean, across the board, if you get... I, I'm, it's almost like by now you think we would have learned, if you get a word from the Lord, if it seems like this is exactly what it's saying, you should just assume that's not what it's going to be. <laughs> have you all noticed that? I mean, you get this, this word of the Lord, or somebody prophesies of you that this is going to happen. And, and it, seems like, it seems like sometimes just the very opposite of that is what happens. Well, was God lying? No, it says very clearly in the word he can't lie. He can't lie. The problem is that sometimes we think we understand something that we really don't understand. And then there's sometimes, believe it or not, God's ways are not our ways. Our thinking is not his thinking. We don't have the ability, even with the mind of Christ, we're learning that, we're growing in that, but we're still not God. Right? Right? I mean, none of it, I, mean, I think we can begin to live more like Jesus, look more like Jesus, act more like Jesus, respond more like Jesus, behave more like Jesus, live more like, we can begin to grow in that. But this side of heaven, none of us are going to be Jesus. Amen? And we, we just, we, I, we, sometimes, and again, I, it's, sometimes it aggravates the crap out of me to... <laughs> Where somebody said, well, that was just God's plan for your life. You, you know, you just won't understand it. That's just the way it is. And, it, it, you know, sometimes that's just, it's, that's just BS sometimes. Okay? <laughs> but in reality, sometimes we just aren't going to understand. And we, here's where, see, here's where faith comes in, and here's where trust comes in. We got to know, are we going to continue to trust, continue to have faith, continue to believe, even when it goes maybe not the way we think it ought to go? Are we going to keep on trusting God? I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. That's, that's the question that still is going to be, continue to be asked while we're on this planet. Are we going to trust God? Are we going to walk with Him, even when it doesn't look like it's going the way we think it ought to go? And in the middle of that, are we going to praise him in the midst of when it's not going the way we think it ought to go? That's called a sacrifice of praise. Yes. 
That's Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to rejoice in you. I'm going to exalt you. Even though this happened, this happened, this happened, we thought this one, this, and this was going to happen. It hasn't. But God, you're God. I'm not. I'm going to have my confidence and trust in you. I, I'm, I don't know any other way to put that. <laughs> Who, who's my confidence and trust going to be in, me or him? Him. I screw up every now and then. Not often, but every now and then. It's a sacrifice of praise. And see, I, I think here's some of the things that can happen. I'm going to look at some of these scriptures. I think as we begin to step in that and walk in that, and I begin to praise Jesus in the midst of whatever this trial or whatever this suffering or whatever this problem is, if I begin to trust him, have confidence in him, praise him in the midst of it, I believe that we personally at that point, we can experience a revival or a renewal in our lives because we've, we've determined we're going to just trust him anyway. We're going to believe in him anyway. And then, we, then I think in the midst of that, we can have a, a, a how can I put this? I, see, I think, hmm, I think there's a way that we experience God in the middle of those kind of crises and we continue to trust that we won't experience him any other way. Let me try that again. <laughs> I think that we can have an experience with God. When I, when I say experience, I mean a, like a personal encounter, a relationship, an experience with God. We can have an experience with him in the middle of a test or trial or storm that we can't have in any other way. Are y'all getting that? Somebody ought to be amen and all that. <laughs> I think Scripture proves that. I think our own life, your experience, my experience has proved. There's, there's been times when I've experienced the closeness of God. I've experienced his arms wrapped around me. I've experienced his love. I've experienced his presence in the middle of stuff that I did not want to go through that I don't think I would have ever experienced if everything was just going great in my life. One thing is when stuff's going wrong, it helps you turn to God. And that's, again, that's this idea of sacrifice of praise. Now, again, you know, sometimes it almost sounds like, well, you know, if I'll praise him in the midst of it, God will take care of it and it will go away. I've learned, I've heard that. It almost comes across like, you know, if you praise him, the hell's breaking loose, you praise him, and God's going to take care of it. Guess what? Sometimes that may happen. A lot of times it doesn't. What God promises you is this. You praise me in the midst of it, and I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to walk with you through that. I'm going to go with you through that storm. I'm going to be there. I'm, I, God never promises to deliver us from that. He's going to deliver us through that. That's the sacrifice of praise. That's what Isaiah says this. Let me read this to you. Isaiah 61, this is literally a, a prophetic word about Jesus coming. It was written in Isaiah, which I believe is like, if I remember right, around 700 years before the actual coming of Christ in the flesh, Jesus being born. 
This is a word about him. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Remember, in fact, is when Jesus, one of his first, not one of his, his first message that he's talking about, he takes this passage and reads that and proclaims that to be about himself. You with me? To preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Now this one says, to comfort, this is what Jesus, this is a word about Jesus saying, this is what he's going to do. He's going to comfort all who mourn. Look what it says. He's going to console those who mourn in Zion. He's going to, I, I think the song we just sang might have said something along these lines. He's going to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The, and they will be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, and he will be glorified. Literally, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness is... is, is is this understanding or the idea of he'll give you a garment of praise against the spirit of heaviness or in the midst of the spirit of heaviness. Everybody know what a spirit of heaviness is? That's when hell's breaking loose and you just feel like crap. You're depressed. I know as Christians, we're never supposed to be depressed. You're depressed. (laughs) You're discouraged. You're wondering what in the world's going on in life. Why is this happening? What's happening? And this says he'll give you a garment of praise against or for the spirit of heaviness. So if we praise in the midst of what's going on, we'll be at a, he'll, that'll be a wall or a, or a protection against heaviness. So when I'm in the middle of heaviness or something that's going on, if I'll just break forth in praise and in worship, I can literally feel, and y'all have experienced this, you can literally feel the spirit of heaviness, this despair, the depression, you can literally feel it lifting off of you. Y'all ever felt that? I mean, in the midst of it, again, well, you got to be careful with this. It's not, it's not like, okay, I feel depressed, so I'm going to just pray so I can get rid of the depression. (laughs) That's not my reason to praise. My reason to praise is him. You with me? But when I go to him in the midst of when, again, when it's heaviness, when, when there's, when struggle, any of y'all have any struggles? Uh, yeah. When the struggles in life come, when stuff just, your car breaks down, your AC quits working, you're, you go to write a check and it bounces, or you're with Vistar and you can't figure out what you got in your checking account. <laughs> That's when that heavy that heaviness is there, and you determine in the middle of this trial, in the middle of this test, in the middle of this thing that's happened in my life, Jesus, I'm just determined I don't get it, I don't understand it, I don't know why this is happening, I don't like that it's happening, but God, I'm going to worship and I'm going to praise right in the middle of it. And when that happens in our lives and we begin to praise Him, you can literally feel this heaviness and this discouragement. I mean, Physically, I mean, I have physically felt in my body like this, like this, this shadow coming off of me when I've done that. That's a sacrifice of praise. That's what it means to praise Him. You see, we—it's almost like you have this choice. Something 
bad happens. You go through a trial or a test, uh, again, a sickness, a disease, maybe you lose your loved one. Something happens. When that happened when my, with my mom, literally a week later, my wife, three years ago, I could have I made the decision. Again, you got, please, hmm, boy, you got to make room for people to grieve, okay? There's, 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 there's a time for grief when you lose a family member or a friend or a relative or someone close to you. There, you need to grieve. You need to have that time. But you got to make a decision at some point in time. And again, I hate it when people try and put time frames on you. It, it may be a month for you. It may be three years for you. You, you may be at a different time frame than somebody else that went through grief. Don't, don't box yourself in and say, well, they got over it in three months. I must not be spiritual because I'm still discouraged and grieving a year later. No, don't put yourself in there. But in, in the midst of that grieving, and in, in, the, in the middle of that, you, you can make a decision. You can either choose, and I've seen people do this, you can choose to stay there and stay camped in that place, or you can choose to praise and worship and begin to move out of that. It's a choice. Let me say it again. It's a choice. <laughs> we, we, we get a choice. The rejoicing is a choice. Joy, walking in the joy of the Lord, choosing to do that is a choice. It's not something that happens to you. You get to choose which one you want to do. You can choose. Man, all hell's breaking loose and have a, have a pity party for your, again, Please understand, there's a difference between grieving, grieving and having a pity party. But at some point in time, you got to be able to walk out of that grief and walk out of that pain. And again, it doesn't mean, I, believe me, I still have times where I'm crying because I've lost my wife three years ago. I do. I, I've got pictures everywhere, around the house. <laughs> I, 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 we lived in Jacksonville our whole lives. We were married 40-plus years. There's nowhere I can go, nobody I can see. When I go to the mountains, I'm reminded of her. Everywhere I go, because we lived like that together. But after, there's a time frame where you get from the point where you go, you know what, I'm grieving, I'm hurt, I'll miss her forever. But I'm not going to choose to stay in this part. I'm not going to just have a pity party and a woe is me. I'm going to choose and make a choice. God, I'm going I'm to start walking toward you. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's, it's a, and, it's, and it's not like you can just jump from here to there. It's just, it's a choice. It's a, it's a choice to make the decision. God, I'm, I'm going to choose you and I'm going to start the process. <laughs> you take a step and, and maybe you spend five minutes that day in worship and then you take another step and you take another step you, stay, you start moving that direction and, you, and, and again you know I love this but there's this picture of this graph of showing what our walk is with the Lord and when I, when I first got saved I, it just seemed to me like I'm supposed to go like this Toward Jesus, I'm going. I'm moving that direction. I'm. I'm getting better. I'm never. I'm. I'm just moving that way, and I'm going up. In reality, this is the way it looks like. We're going up, but in the process of of coming more like Jesus, in the process of of moving that direction, you can have. Any of y'all ever have any of them little dips in there? Life doesn't go just like you thought it was supposed to. And, and but what do, you, what do you do? Do you stay there? or Do you move on? You move on. 
We can choose, do we want to stay in that valley of the shadow of death, or do we want to move through it? It's a, again, it's a choice that we get to make. Hmm. Pain, suffering, loss are all places to travel through, not a place to camp out and live. I've seen people that have done that. And they've just stayed in that place. And it's brutal. It'll kill you eventually, literally, physically. It'll kill you if you stay there. We can choose to move on. We can choose to build a home in our pain, or we can choose to move forward. It's a choice. I'm going to read this. Well, yeah, I am. It's only 515, isn't it? Y'all got a few more hours, don't you? <laughs> Acts 16 I, I, I want to just read this whole passage to you I'm going to read it out of the passion You can turn in your Bibles and follow along This is the story of Paul and Silas I, I want to read the whole background Or it, it just won't make as much as much sense Y'all okay with that? I don't know why I asked Because I'm going to read it anyway But it's, it sounded nice to ask, didn't it? <laughs> Paul and Silas came to the city of Derb, Derby, and they went on to Lystra, the hometown of a believer named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish follower of Jesus, but his father was not a Jew. Timothy was well known and highly respected among all the believers of Lystra and Iconium. Paul recognized God's favor on Timothy's life. That's an interesting statement just right there, to recognize the favor of God on somebody recognized his favor and wanted him to accompany them in the ministry. But Paul had Timothy circumcised first because of a significant Jewish community living in the region, and everyone knew that Timothy's father wasn't a Jew. They went out together as missionaries, traveling to different cities when they preached and informed the churches of the decrees of the Apostolic Council in Jerusalem for the non-Jewish converts to observe. All the churches were growing daily and were encouraged and strengthened in their faith. The Holy, now listen to this, verse 6. The Holy Spirit had forbidden Paul and his partners to preach the word in southwestern province of Turkey. Now, is that interesting? The Holy Spirit stopped Paul and those guys, forbid them. I don't want you going there. Now, does it, it seems like the overall command to go should have been, okay, go. But apparently the Holy Spirit was saying something to Paul and Timothy and these other missionaries. Hey, don't go there. That's not where I want you. To me, that just kind of is very interesting. So they ministered. Instead, they stayed there throughout the central and central west central Turkey. When they got as far west as the borders of Mysia, they look at this. They repeatedly attempted to go north into the providence of Bithynia. But against this, again, the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to enter. Isn't that interesting? They, were, they had a place they wanted to go, but the Holy Spirit kept directing them, no, don't do it. The Spirit of Jesus says, no, don't do it. Don't go there. That's not where I want you to go. So instead, they went right on through the providence. That's why I read that. Anyway, where am I at? Verse 9. While staying there, Paul, listen to this. In the middle of that, while staying there, Paul experienced a supernatural ecstatic ecstatic vision during the night now listen to this here's his vision a man from macedonia appeared before him pleading with him you must come across the sea to macedonia and help us 
After Paul had this vision, now assuming again, their assumption is this vision is from God, God's given a vision, telling them where to go. Paul has his vision, we immediately prepared to cross over to Macedonia and convinced that God himself was calling us to go and preach the wonderful news of the gospel to them. Paul arrives at Philippi from Troas, we sailed straight straight course to the island of Samothrace, and the next day to Neophilus. Finally, we reached Philippi, a major city in the Roman colony of Macedonia, and remained there a number of days. When the Sabbath day came, we went outside the gates to the nearby river, for, they appeared, for there appeared to be a house of prayer and worship there. Sitting on the riverbank, we struck up a conversation. Now listen to this. We struck up a conversation with what? Some of the women who had gathered there. Who was his vision of? A man, <laughs> I want you to just play this. keep this in the back of your mind, a man, but immediately Paul starts ministering to the women. You with me? Just kind of keep that. That's just, just something for you to think about. And they shared, anyway, one of them was Lydia, a businesswoman from the city of Thyatira, who's a dealer of exquisite purple cloth and a Jewish convert. While Paul shared the good news with her, God opened her heart to receive Paul's message. She devoted herself to the Lord, and we baptized her and her entire family. Afterwards, she urged us to stay in her home, saying, Since I am now a believer in the Lord, come stay in my house. So we were persuaded to stay there. A, the python spirit, which is a demonic spirit, one day, as we were going to the house of prayer, we encouraged a young, we encountered a young slave girl who had an evil spirit of divination, the spirit of python. She had earned great profits for owners by being a fortune teller. She kept following, shouting. Get the picture. Paul and Timothy and his, their group, they're preaching in this town, in the city, in the countryside. And there's this young girl that's now following them and is shouting to them. Day after day, she continued to shout, saying, These men are the servants of the great high God, and they are telling us how to be saved. I mean, that doesn't sound bad, does it? Y'all with me? Day after day, she continued to do this until Paul, <laughs> you kind of get yourself in this scenario, till Paul was greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, Paul and Dally recognized that this was a demonic spirit in this girl, recognized it. He turns to her and he says, I command you in the name of the Jesus, the anointed one, to come out of her now. At that very moment, the spirit came out of her. Then... Verse 19, when her owners realized that their potential for making profit, they were making money off this girl, fortune-telling, had vanished, they forcefully seized Paul and Silas and dragged them off to the city square to face the authorities. When they appeared before the Roman soldiers and magistrates, the slave owners leveled accusations against them, saying, these Jews are troublemakers. They're throwing our city into confusion. They're pushing their Jewish religion down our throats. It's wrong and unlawful for them to promote these Jewish ways, for we are Romans living in a Roman colony. A great crowd gathered, and all the people joined to come against them. The Roman, look what it says. The Roman officials ordered that Paul and Silas be stripped of their garments and beaten with rods on their bare backs. Put yourself here. What's happened so far? Paul and Silas and Timothy and them have, just, have tried to go where? To wherever it was, Turkey, some other place. They kept getting forbidden to go there. The Holy Spirit kept stopping them. Then, the, then Paul has a vision of a 
man, <laughs> I mean, my expectation, of, I, I, here's what I want you to think. Put yourself in Silas's shoes, okay? Silas is kind of a follower going along with Paul. Paul's the leader. Silas is going along. They have this vision. They, they can't go here, can't go there. Paul gets a vision. Okay, Silas, we're going here. We're going here. The vision's of a man, but we're going to preach to this woman first. Okay, you with me? This is going to all pay, all mean something in a minute. They were stripped. They were beaten. Then verse 23 says, after they were severely beaten, they weren't just halfway beaten, they were severely beaten. Then they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them securely. So the jailer placed them in the innermost cell of the prison and had their feet bound and chained. Now listen to me. If I was Silas, <laughs> I'm going to start asking some questions. <laughs> right? I mean, you give your life to Jesus, everything's supposed to go good. Things are supposed to happen good. Favor of God's supposed to be on you. You're not supposed to have any problems. Not supposed to have any trials. Silas hooks up with Paul. They have all this Holy Spirit stopping them from doing this. They have this vision of this man. Instead of a man, they see a woman. They start talking to the woman. They're doing, supposedly, following who? God, following the Holy Spirit, being obedient, going and doing what they're supposed to do, not doing anything wrong, not doing anything to deserve getting beaten, but they wind up beaten, stripped, beaten, and thrown into a dungeon. This is the inner dungeon, it specifically says, which is the pits, basically. I mean, <laughs> we saw a rat out there earlier today, didn't we, Jim? Out in the parking lot. I know all y'all are going to go walking around when you leave here looking. There, <laughs> That was one little rat in the wide open. Put yourself, this wasn't the Taj Mahal prison. Okay, this wasn't some federal prison with AC in it and some TV shows to watch and a gym to work out in. This was the pit of a dungeon, a dark, probably wet, nasty, stinky. You, you understand? Bad jail. Yeah, bad, bad jail. No running water, no indoor plumbing. Rats, stinky, nasty. They're beaten, whipped, and I'm Silas, and I'm thinking, why am I following this guy? What, we haven't, what's happening? We're, we're doing just the opposite of what we were told to do, and this happened. Again, if I'm living for Jesus, my expectation is nothing bad is going to happen. Something bad happened. How did they respond? Instead of whining and complaining... <laughs> And griping and moaning and groaning, which I know none of y'all would have done. Instead of doing that, Paul and Silas, undaunted, prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise to God while all the other prison, prisoners listened to their worship. Is that powerful? Yes. Don't just read this story. Put yourself there. Put yourself in their place. They've been severely beaten. You, you with me? I mean, severely beaten, stripped naked, humiliated. Follow, I'm thinking to myself, God, I'm following you. I'm doing what you've told. I, I even tried to hear, and I wasn't supposed maybe that did I, maybe I missed God. I was supposed to go there instead of here. I'm, I'm asking all those, my, me, I'm asking questions. 
Paul and Silas, what do they do? Let's have a worship service. Right in the middle of it. In the middle of the night, they start singing and worshiping and praising. And who's listening? All the other prisoners are listening. Is that powerful? In the middle of this crisis, in the middle of, of hell breaking loose on them, in the middle of, of pain, I mean, they weren't, because they were Christians doesn't mean they were immune from the pain. The, the beating hurt. You with me? It, it, because they were Christians, it, it didn't hurt them less than it had been if they were not. It was a beating. They got whipped. They were, they were hurting. They were sore. They were probably tired. They were probably wore out. And in the middle of that, instead of moaning and complaining and griping, I know none of y'all would have done that, but I may be tempted to do that myself. Instead of doing any of that, they decided, you know what? Let's just let, let's make this choice. Remember we talked about it earlier it was a choice? Let's choose instead of camping out here in this place of, of hell breaking loose, we're going to choose, we're going to praise God in the middle of it. We're going to worship Him in the midst of this storm and sing songs. When they did that, now guess what? While they were doing that, do you think they had any expectation that something was going to happen? No. They, why were they worshiping God? Because they wanted to worship him. They adored him. They exalted him. He was worthy of praise. They, they delighted in praising. They weren't praising him with this thing in the back of their mind thinking, okay, maybe, because they hadn't seen this happen yet. <laughs> we, we get to read about it. That hadn't happened yet in their experience. They're not thinking, okay, step one, this happened bad. Step two, I'm going to praise God in the middle of it. Step three, God's going to show up. Step four, the prison doors are going to open. Step five, I'm going to get set free. They didn't know that. That wasn't their expectation. They're praising God because they wanted to praise God and he was worthy of their praise. And they chose not to stay here but to move into praise. And as a result of that, look what it says. In the middle of the night, they were singing these songs. And the other prisoners listened. Suddenly, one of my favorite words is what? Suddenly, the suddenlies and but gods in the scripture pay attention to, suddenly a great earthquake shook the foundation of the prison. All at once, every prison, look at the, please don't just read this, put yourself there. These hardened criminals and prisoners, the other people in there were criminals. In the middle of the singing and the praising, and these prisoners had to be sitting there thinking to themselves, Man, these people must be Looney Tunes. I mean, who sings and praises and does this in the middle of a prison after that? And in the middle of that, an earthquake happens, and look what it says. Every prison door flung open, and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. <laughs> That's a serious praise meeting. I'm in the middle of this. The earthquake comes. The doors open. The chains fall off. Nobody dies. And then look what happens. <laughs> Startled, the jailer wakes up, saw every cell door standing open, assuming all the prisoners escape. He immediately, <laughs> this is his first thought. He immediately draws his sword out and was getting ready to kill himself. <laughs> I mean, where does it? <laughs> 
I mean, I guess he knew he was going to die anyway. Might as well just go ahead and get it over with. You know, they're going to kill me. Either the prisoners are going to kill me or the, the Roman soldiers are going to kill me. One way or the other, I'm dead. Let's just end this right now. Immediately. Now, look, keep going. Don't, don't get out of this. Paul shouted in the darkness, stop. Don't hurt yourself. We're all still here. <laughs> I mean, come on, get into this. All these prisoners, are, the doors are open, the chains are off, they've been in a praise meeting, and they're all still what? They're hanging out. They're, I think they're probably mesmerized. They're probably just caught up in the, in the spirit going, oh my, what, what's going on here? What's happening? And Paul sees the jailers getting ready to kill, commit suicide. He hollers at him and says, don't do it. We're all still here. The jailer called for a life. For a light, when he saw that they were all still in their cells, they didn't, even, they didn't even come out. They still are just in their cells. When he sees them still in their cells, he, he rushes in and he falls trembling at their feet. Then he led Paul and Silas outside and asked, what must I do to be saved? Is that powerful? This praise meeting in the middle of jail... <laughs> Brings freedom, brings deliverance. Do you think there's some relationship that might happen to us as we praise? Could maybe we expect some freedom and some deliverance in our lives? In the middle of that, the jailer says, what, what do I got to do? You guys have got something. I need it. What do I do to get saved? They answered, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your family. They prophesied of the word of the Lord over him and his family. Even though the hour was late, he washed their wounds. Then he and his family were baptized. I guess they, I mean, obviously they left the jail and went to his house. And his family got saved and baptized. And they took Paul and Silas into their home and set a table before them and fed them. And then, I'm going to stop there, but you know what happens. They come and the magistrates are saying, hey, what's going on? And they, Paul and Silas basically come and say, hey, you got to apologize to us because we're Roman citizens for even putting us in here. But again, in the middle of this jail, Paul and Silas are, are just, they're just this perfect example to us of how we need to respond when all hell's breaking loose. And you know what? <laughs> it, it cannot even be our fault that it's breaking loose. It wasn't theirs. They weren't sinning. I mean, is that sometimes, I mean, if you're not careful, some of that's what you get from preachers. If, if, if something bad's happened in your life, you must be in sin. You ever heard that? <laughs> you must be doing something wrong. I mean, that wouldn't happen to you if you weren't doing something wrong. Paul and Silas weren't doing anything wrong. In the middle of it, they chose to to worship the Lord. They chose to not stay in that valley of the shadow of death and curse God. They chose not to do that, but to follow Jesus instead. Philippians says this, and I'm going to wind it down with this. I'm going to land this airplane. Be cheerful, verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Again, the Passion Translation says this, Be cheerful with joyous celebration. What does that look like to you? Joyous celebration. Does it look like those guys I was explaining earlier when Tiger chipped in the ball? Is that joyous celebration? Be cheerful 
in every season of life. Good times and bad times. Every season. Let your joy overflow. Let gentleness be seen in every relationship. For our Lord is ever near. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Hello? Let me tell you, that's real easy to say and a lot harder to live. <laughs> Isn't it? Don't be pulled in every direction or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled request before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell Him every detail of your life. Then God's, look at this, when you've done that and you've prayed and you've offered up this with joy and gratitude, then what's going to happen? Then it says God's wonderful peace that, I love how this says this, that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ. You know what that says? In the middle of the storm, when it makes absolutely no sense, you're, you just can't, it makes no sense, but in the middle of it, you can have a peace that passes understanding. Is that awesome? I mean, and it, 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 your mind can't even, that's what he said, your, your mind can't figure this out. But you, in fact is, you can even look at you, and I've done this in the past, sometimes I think, man, am I losing it? I should be, I should be, I ought to be worried. <laughs> you ever thought that? I mean, this is what's happening, and and I I should be concerned, but in a minute, but I'm not. I'm thanking God. I'm praising Him, and I have this peace that just passes understanding. And I don't do that every time in my life. I wish I did it every time, but there are times I have, <laughs> and I have this peace that just my brain can't figure it out. In the middle of this happening, you can just walk in this peace that passes understanding. I'm telling you, that's powerful to have in your life, to have that peace. Be saturated. Tell him every detail on this peace. Keep your, then he says, verse 8, keep your thoughts continually. Listen to this. Don't worry. Be happy. No. Don't. So. <laughs> Y'all ever, ever seen that? Some of them is a bass. Some of them is actually this deer head that's singing that song. Don't worry. Be happy. That's a good song. <laughs> remember don't worry be happy continually offer praise to God and his peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind keep your thoughts this is what he says don't worry do those things and keep your thoughts where do our thoughts typically want to go when something bad's happening to that thing right we think about that. We think, okay, what am I going to do with this? How can, and we try and figure it out. We try and rationalize. Okay, how can I do this? I can do this. And, we, and we're, we're, you know what we're doing? We're worrying <laughs> on that thing. And Jesus is saying, don't worry. Keep your thoughts continually fixed on what? On what's authentic and real. Think on those things. What's authentic? What, think, think. y'all have heard my testimony when I was going through a time of of panic attacks and severe depression many, many years ago. God took this verse. He told me, write these out. I wrote a list of everything in my life that was true and authentic. What's true? What's authentic? What's honorable? What's admired? What's beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind? Keep your thoughts fixed on them instead of what? 
the problem, the issue, the thing that's out there that you shouldn't be worrying about. Keep your thoughts on these things and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising Him when you feel like it. Praising Him always. Put into practice the example of all the... What a boy, what a testimony. Paul says, put, into, put this practice into example of what you have heard from me and seen in my life. Was well, that a powerful? I can tell you all, about half of what I do, pay attention. <laughs> There's some things you probably shouldn't imitate me in. But there are some good ones. Thank you, Jesus. Put those into practice, what you've heard and seen from me. And what happens? The God of peace will be with you in all things. Is that a good word? Yes. I'm going to close with this. I said that earlier, didn't I? <laughs> it's like the, the kid that was sitting with his mom in church, and just before the preacher got up to preach, he took his watch off and you know, very carefully and set it up there on the pulpit. And the boy leaned over to his mom and said, what's that mean? Why does he do that? And the mom said, it doesn't mean anything around here. <laughs> so I really am going to close with this. <laughs> In Habakkuk, Habakkuk, chapter 3, the prophet says this, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crops fail, and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength, and He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and He enables me to tread on the heights. I love that passage. Though it looks like maybe in your mind or what's happening in your life, even at this very moment in time, you could possibly think of several things that just don't look good. You know? Maybe stuff's happening in your, with your kids, with your family, with your job, I, I don't know, with your body, your physical health. There can be any number of things that's happening. You can choose, I'm going to stay here. <laughs> Or I'm going to move over here, and I'm going to rejoice in the middle of it. I'm going to set my eyes and my affections on the things above, not on the things of the earth. On the things that are eternal, not the things that are temporary. I'm going to think on those things. That's how you get out of worry, by setting your mind on those things. Amen. You've been listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org. 